by faith. Whatever it is your problem, be it financial, be it physical, be it social, be it mental, whatever it is your problem, he is able to overcome any obstacle. Open your Bible now, would you please, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 9. Matthew 9. That was a very appropriate song that Glenn just sang for us because it ties in with what we want to talk about today. It's so very important a subject. And the Bible tells us four times these words, the just shall live by faith. That's how you and I, who are born again, who are saved and part of God's family, that's how we are to live our lives. Last Sunday, we spoke on this subject of faith. When we spoke on the, uh, the subject, the winning side of life, and indeed, faith puts us on the winning side of life. There's no question about it. If you're not living your life by faith, you are subject to all of the trials and woes and why me God kind of life that I think the devil has in, in mind for you. Last Sunday, when we examined this subject about faith, we found that God gives us faith two different ways. What was the first way? Does anyone remember? The, it starts with the letter S. Slow. The slow way. And that means day by day growth in our faith. And then the second way is what? Fast or quick or sudden. And that's for when times of trouble come and you need the faith. Today I'd like to take this truth a little further with a personal example from my life. It happened 13 years ago, but you know, as I think about it, every time I think about it, it feels like it only happened last week. It made an indelible impression upon me, this thing I went through. Back in 2010, my wife and I went for a visit outside of Canada, and this visit changed our lives in a very significant way because the visit gave us new appreciation for God and for the promises he makes us in his word. Every word of God, every promise of God is yea and amen. We didn't know it, but that wonderful trip that we went on, trip of a lifetime, was going to have some scary moments to it. And it was going to require some sudden faith in order to get back home. And so that's what I want to talk about in part two of the winning side of life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our Father, help us today to have ears to hear. You tell us you want us to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. That is your will for our lives. So teach us how to do it. Show us, encourage us today. Father, I pray that everyone's faith would take a step up. We'd move on up a little higher. Every one of us. If there be one here who's not sure about heaven, they've never been born again, they've never had that experience, Lord, open the eyes of their understanding. Show them their desperate need of salvation through Jesus Christ today. We ask it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, with your Bible open at Matthew chapter number 9, I want you to see that here 
we learn of two Jewish men that were blind. Now, these days, some blindness is curable through modern medicine and medical breakthroughs. And of course, they're working on it all all the time, perfecting things. But back in Jesus' day, if you were blind, that's it. That's it, folks. Uh, You didn't have reading glasses or glasses you could put on that would help even correct some of your eye problems. I mean, you just kind of went around and squinted. A lot of people were totally blind. I mean, that was it. What a problem. That's quite a problem to have in life, if you ask me. Blindness can be a scary thing if something happened to any one of us that threatened our eyesight. Uh I think we would be a little bit concerned. We all treasure our eyesight. But problems are actually golden opportunities for God to do one of his miracles. Problems are more than just problems. They're golden opportunities to see the hand of God move. Now, here in this chapter, the Lord Jesus had just raised a young girl from the dead. And just prior to that, I mean moments prior to that, he healed a woman who had a a bleeding issue for 12 years and no one and nothing could fix her problem. But she came to Jesus. You remember the story, I think, and reached out and touched the hem of his garment. And she was healed instantly. And right after that, Jesus went, and there's the 12-year-old girl, dead. And then Jesus said, no, she's only sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn because they knew she was dead. And Jesus went in and called her name, and she came back to life. And Jesus did these amazing miracles right before he met the blind men. So here's the blind men, the two blind men that have heard about what Jesus just did and faith began to grow within them because I'm sure that they reasoned amongst themselves and they said, look, if Jesus could raise that girl from the dead, don't you think he could heal our blindness? It's possible these men were married and had children, the faces of whom they'd never seen. They'd only touched and felt them. Possibly they were a little older. Possibly they had grandchildren that they had never seen. Oh, the desire of their heart to be able to see. And then along comes Jesus. And then suddenly, these two men start to cry out to Jesus. I believe that God was giving them sudden faith. Now, I want you to notice something, and I think it's very important here. If you look, please, at verse 27. When Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David. Now, why did they call him, Thou son of David? Why didn't they just cry out, Jesus? Because the expression, thou son of David, was a Jewish expression expression for the Messiah. They recognized this man was the Messiah, the Redeemer sent from God. That's who the Messiah is. That's what Messiah is all about. The word Messiah means anointed one. The word Christ, as in Jesus Christ, the Christ means anointed one. One word comes from Hebrew, one word comes from Greek, but it means the same thing. The anointed one, the redeemer sent from God to earth to help us. 
And they cried out, Thou son of David, have mercy upon us. These blind men, they were physically blind, but they weren't that blind mentally, were they? They were pretty smart guys. And they recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. Indeed, they seem to have had a gift of sudden faith. Thirteen years ago in 2010, my wife and I had the chance to visit Israel. Our trip came suddenly when a Christian man suddenly offered us some free tickets. And we jumped at the opportunity. We wanted to visit Israel. So we gladly and graciously and thankfully received these tickets. Now, we didn't quite understand, but the tickets he gave us had no priority whatsoever. We didn't have assigned seating. We, we, we had nothing. You know you can buy tickets and you get a seat on the plane, and then they have a thing called standby, right? How many know what I'm talking about? Standby? Okay, you've all flown. Well, there is another section underneath standby, and those were our tickets. So you have to keep this in mind. We were totally, totally at the mercy of the airlines. So with these low priority tickets, off we went and we flew to Israel and we had 14 amazing days in Israel. We've never forgotten it. I'm telling you, if you have the opportunity to visit Israel, you should take it because you'll never read your Bible the same after. The whole Bible starts opening up in new ways. So after 14 days, it was time to come home. That's when it got scary. And it required faith. We were supposed to leave Israel. We were in Tel Aviv at the airport. And we were supposed to leave Sunday night. But when we got to the airport, they told us, sorry, sorry, there's no room for you. Because we had no booking priority. We, we were lower than standby. The lowest of the low. And so uh, we couldn't even hold on to the wing. And we were that low. So they said, there's nothing, nothing. I'm sorry, you're going to maybe come back tomorrow night. Maybe there'll be something. Well, Mrs. White and I had a few dollars left. So we said, okay, we'll do that. And we felt a peace. This is what God would have us do. So we took a, a room for the night. And then we were going to come back the next night, Monday night. They said, that's when the planes will be flying Monday night. So we came back. Um, we had no more money. <laughs> we were broke. And besides that, we had to get back home because there was ministry duties that I had to do. This was 13 years ago. We didn't have four assistant pastors on staff. So a lot of it fell on my shoulders. So anyhow, we, we slept good that night. The next night, Monday night, we arrived at the airport. And the weather wasn't that good. There were four planes leaving Tel Aviv. Two of the planes canceled because of the weather. So we thought, uh, but there's still two more. So we were hopeful until we found out that both those planes were overcrowded because the first two planes had canceled. Now everyone was jumping on these last two planes. And here we were with no priority, not even standby. And so we started to wonder what's going to happen. So we, we went up to the counter, the ticket counter, and they told us there is no chance of you getting on an airplane tonight. And you, uh, you're going to be stuck here. I said, for how long? 
They said, well, it could be as long as a week before we can find a seat on a plane to get you back home. I said, a week? I said, we're broke. We don't have any more money. <laughs> we got to get home. And they said, sorry, come back tomorrow night maybe, and we'll see if we have anything for you then. And so suddenly we had a problem. We were broke and we had to get back. What are we going to do? What should we do? So here's what we did. We sat down and we prayed to God. We asked God what to do. We said, Lord, you know our problem. You've given us this wonderful trip to the Holy Land and we got to get back home now. What are we going to do? That's when we felt sudden faith. That's when God, right there in the Tel Aviv airport where we were sitting, he gave us sudden faith to stay and not to go because we had no money. We'd have to put it on credit card and going into debt is not something we want to do. So we felt this sudden faith to stay and see what God would do. And so it didn't make any logical sense whatsoever. They told us we'd never get on, but God gave us the faith. So we decided we would stay and we would trust God for a miracle. Now again, folks, I want to underscore this in our hearts. Problems can become golden opportunities for God to do miracles that he wouldn't do any other way. Don't despise your problems because they may become great memories for you and how God redeemed you. Remember last week, we said that faith comes two ways. The first way is slowly. That means daily you're reading your Bible, daily you're praying, daily you're living for the Lord, and you maintain church attendance. Don't forsake the house of the Lord. Jesus died for the church. The least we can do is attend faithfully. And so God gives faith slowly, but then there are times when God will give faith suddenly in order to overcome problems, in order to accomplish things. And this trip home from Israel was going to be one of those times that required sudden faith. Now, if you look again, please, at Matthew chapter 9, we can see sudden faith here. These two blind men, look in verse 28. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. Now, Jesus asked a simple question. Gentlemen, you're blind. You want me to heal your blindness? Do you really think I can do it? Do you really believe that I can do this? It was a simple question. But I want you to notice their answer was just as simple. Two words in verse 28. Do you, do, you see, do you see what they said in the last two words of verse 28? Say it out loud with me, please. Yea, Lord. That was their answer. In the King James Bible, the word yes is an affirmative. The word yea is a turbocharged, super-duper affirmative. We might paraphrase this and say, oh boy, do we believe. Yes, Lord, we absolutely believe that you can do this and so much more. That was like the nature of how they were responding. But it came out in two words, yea, Lord. We believe, oh yeah, do you believe that I can do this? 
Then what does Jesus do in verse 29? He touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Read out those last words with me again, out loud. According to your faith, be it unto you. So Jesus asked them this question. Believe ye that I am able to do this. And what was their two-word answer? Tell me. Then he reached out and then touched their eyes. And then what did Jesus say? According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith. If you really, really believe, then you're going to get it. That's what he's saying here. Beloved, faith is one of your greatest assets as a Christian. You have it. You have it. Use it. It's the winning side of life. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And in the Old Testament, in Psalm 50, verse 15, it says, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. And my wife and I were sitting in a Tel Aviv airport in 2010, and it was the day of trouble. And we called upon the Lord, and he gave us a sudden faith, and we can't explain it. Where did it come from? It came from God. What did it feel like? It felt like a, a real assurance. Yes, God has heard. We're just going to stay put. God's going to do something. You know, as we were sitting there, watching all the people get on the planes, <laughs> I got thinking about a story, a true story in the life of George Mueller. For those of you who don't know, George Mueller was a great pastor and a man of faith. He lived in the 1800s. He did incredible things that no one could do, but he was able to do them by faith. It was the power of God through his faith. And there's a true story that happened to George Mueller in 1880. And I thought of this story as I sat there. In 1880, George Mueller was 75 years of age, and he and his wife, Mrs. Mueller, took a steamship from England over to New York City. They wanted to visit New York City. And Mrs. Mueller would often get seasick, and so there was a special chair that she would use to sit in, and that seemed to give her comfort and peace. And so she would sit in this chair on the steamship as they went over. Well... They had a great visit in New York City. And then they gave, Mr. Mueller gave specific instructions to a friend of his to have this chair shipped to the harbor on a certain date so that it would be there for Mrs. Mueller. Well, the day came and Mr. and Mrs. Mueller arrive at the harbor and they go to the, the ticket master and they're purchasing their tickets and Mr. Mueller asks if a chair had arrived there at the harbor. The man said, just a moment. He checked, he came back and said, no, Mr. Mueller, there's been nothing, no package, no chair, nothing has arrived. And Mueller said, well, we have to have the chair. The, the ticket master told Mr. Mueller, sir, he took out his pocket watch, there is no time for that chair to get here. I'm sorry. Now, the, the steamship was anchored just out in the harbor, and then there was a smaller ship that would shuttle people back and forth to the steamship. 
And so there at the, the ticket booth there, the office, was another Christian man named Daniel Whittle. Whittle was his name. Daniel Whittle, if you don't recognize that name, he was a hymn writer. He wrote, There Shall Be Showers of Blessing. It's in our hymn book. It's a great old hymn that we love and we sing. He wrote a number of hymns. But Daniel Whittle was there because he was going to be taking a trip from America to England. And he was there right at the same time as Mueller was. The two of them were friends. They knew each other. And so Mr. Whittle related this story and wrote about it. And that's how I read about it, was from what Whittle wrote. But Whittle said, Mr. Mueller, he said, I have just purchased a little chair myself just from a local place. And he took out his pocket watch. There is time. If you hurry, you can get to this place. I'll give you the address. You can buy the chair for your wife and you'll be able to make the sailing. And here's what George Mueller said to Mr. Whittle. He said, no, my brother, our heavenly father will send the chair from New York. I wrote 10 days ago to a brother who promised to see it forwarded here last week. He has not been as prompt as I would have desired, but I am sure our heavenly father will send the chair. Mrs. Mueller is very sick upon the sea and has particularly desired to have this same chair. And not finding it here, we have made special prayer that our Heavenly Father would be pleased to provide it for us. And we trust him to do so. And then Mr. Whittle, he thought to himself, here's this dear man of God, Mueller, and he watched him peacefully get on the little ship that took him out to the big ship. Here's Mr. Mueller running the risk of Mrs. Mueller not or making the voyage without a chair when for a few dollars she could have been provided for. He said, I confess, I feared Mr. Mueller's, Mr. Mueller was carrying his faith principle a little too far this time and was not acting wisely. Whittle said that he was kept about 10 minutes at the ticket office and he was just about to leave to go and get on the ship when he he, he heard this rattle and commotion and it was a wagon, a horse-drawn wagon coming up right there to the office. They unloaded the chair for Mrs. Mueller. The ticket master gave the chair to Mr. Whittle who was dumbfounded holding this chair, got onto the little, little ship, got to the steamship and there was Mr. Mueller and his wife waiting and Whittle handed the chair over <laughs> to Mr. Mueller, and he said that Mr. Mueller, his face was that of a little child having received some blessing from his father. And Mueller right there bowed his head and thanked God for it. I thought of that story as I was sitting there in the airport at Tel Aviv, and I thought if God can do that with a chair, if God can provide a chair for for Mrs. Mueller, God can provide a seat on a plane for Mrs. White and I. I thought about some other people that God had rescued and my faith grew even more. But I'll be honest with you, the devil was right there in the Tel Aviv airport. The devil sat down beside me and whispered, you fool, the day of miracles is past. You watch, you see, there's no seat for you on this plane. Boy, oh boy, you know, that's kind of hard to take. But we sat there. We continued to sit and at 10.40 p.m., 
the first of the last two planes was filled with people and took off. Well, I thought there's always one more plane. There's still one more. So we continued to sit. Two more hours went by and we were still sitting there. And at 12.40 a.m., are you ready for this? The last plane was almost completely filled. And we watched as they filled the last seats on that plane. Right about then, the devil <clears throat> sat back down beside me and laughed. It's like the devil laughed and said, I told you so, I told you so. You're a fool. The day of miracles is gone. God doesn't do that kind of thing anymore. He did it for Mueller, but that's Mueller. You're not Mueller. But you know, as I sat there, it felt as if Jesus were asking me, believest thou that I'm able to do this? And in my heart, I said, yea, Lord. And suddenly I had another urge of faith. I had another sudden faith moment. And I got up and I went over to the counter where the, the ladies were that were escorting people, you know, through the gate onto the plane. And I said, I just wanted to let you know we're still here. We're still waiting for a seat on a plane. Just wanted to let you know. That's all I told them. And I went back down and sat beside my wife. And that's when the miracle happened. In a moment, one of the ladies came and, and said to me, Mr. White, we found two last seats on the plane if you want them. I said, sure, what do you got? And uh, anyhow, mine, the one they were going to give me was in first class. My wife was back in baggage. <laughs> well, well, well. I went back to baggage with my wife, and there was a guy sitting there, and I said, Sir, would you like a seat in first class? <laughs> what? <laughs> he said, he hopped up, grabbed his bag, and I sat beside my wife. And we rejoiced in a 13-hour plane flight from Tel Aviv to New York City. And we, we glorified God. We said, ah, there's a, an answer to prayer. Now, you might think that the miracle came, the problem is solved. Not yet. Not yet. The problem's not over. That was only one leg of the journey. We still had two more legs to go. We had somehow to get from New York to Salt Lake City, and then we had to get from Salt Lake City to Vancouver. On tickets that have a lower priority than standby. We were like the scum of the earth. They were scum of the earth tickets. But God gave them to us. God makes no mistakes. God knows what he's doing. And God was calling upon us here for faith. So we got to New York City, and sure enough, wouldn't you know it, we found the plane to Salt Lake City was already full and they had a standby list of people that were ahead of us and they told us there's no way you can get on that plane. So what'd you do? Well, Mrs. White and I did what we did in Tel Aviv. We went and sat down and we prayed to God. 
And we, we thank God for bringing us this far to New York City. We reminded God we're not home yet. We still had a couple of planes we have to catch. And would he please do us a miracle? Because they just finished telling us there's no way you're getting on that plane. So, I mean, that's discouraging to hear, but this is what we did. You say, well, what happened? Well, at the very last possible moment, they suddenly found two more seats. And they said, do you want them? (laughs) Yes, thank you. And we got on that plane and away we went to Salt Lake City. And so we arrived at Salt Lake City and we found more trouble. There was only one plane going from Salt Lake City up to Vancouver to the YVR airport here. And this plane only had one seat left. Not two, one seat. And on top of that, there was a man on standby ahead of us. He should have got that seat. Basically, there was no way we... It's, the devil said to me, you are so lucky that you made it this far. But this is the end of the line. The miracles have run out. There's nothing left in the bag. Just take your lumps. Go get a hotel room. Go into debt. Come back the next day. See if there's anything available for you. But I tell you, by that point, (laughs) the last thing I was going to do was quit. God had done two incredible miracles for us. We trusted him for the miracles. He was doing a George Mueller kind of miracle in our lives. And so wasn't about to quit. We had a surge of sudden faith that God is going to do something. What's he going to do? I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do something. So there in the Salt Lake City airport, I looked around and I saw a counter and four telephones on it and a big sign up above that said, help line. And I said to my wife there, that's what we need. We need the help line. And so we bowed our head right there in the airport and we went to God's helpline and we reminded God he's a prayer answering God and we need him to do this one last miracle here for us because we're broke and we got to get home and we trusted the Lord. Well, what happened? At the last possible moment, Somehow, the airline found two last seats. I don't know how, but we got on and we came home by faith. Jesus said in verse 29, look at it. According to your faith, be it unto you. Say out those words with me out loud. According to your faith, be it unto you. You see, my friends, God is able He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. God is able. And we believe the devil too much. Oh, I know he can, but he won't. The days of miracles are past. George Mueller isn't alive anymore. Listen, God hasn't died. He's still on the throne. He is still just as able today as he ever was. Psalm 50, 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee 
and thou shalt glorify me. And we glorified God that day for what he did. And every time we've ever told this story, we get another opportunity to glorify God for what he did in our lives. If, if you've never seen God do things in your, your life, you would be tempted to think I was making this story up. But this is a true story, as true as I'm standing here today. God still is looking for people on whose behalf he can show himself strong. But it's by faith. By faith. Whatever it is your problem, be it financial, be it physical, be it social, be it mental, whatever it is your problem, he is able to overcome any obstacle. There are times when God allows trouble into our lives for golden opportunities. Remember, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even your faith. Jesus himself in Mark 5.36 said, Be not afraid, only believe. There's no difference between us. There's no difference between me and George Mueller. And I'm tempted to think, oh, he's a great man. I'd say, look at me. Oh. You might even be tempted to think that, oh, this is Pastor White. God will do it for Pastor White. But then there's me. What a mistake. There's no difference between any of us who are born again children of God. We're part of God's family. And he loves his children dearly. And he will just as readily do his miraculous strength and power through anyone. Not just pastors or missionaries. Question is, are you growing your faith? Last Sunday we said, you have to grow your faith daily. You've got to read your Bible daily, pray daily, attend church regularly. All this grows your faith, grows your faith. And then when the day of trouble comes, then God will give you sudden faith to trust him for a miracle. But if you don't grow your faith daily, if you, if you hardly ever read your Bible and your prayers are just kind of Mickey Mouse and you, your church attendance is once here and once there, you're not very faithful. Do you really think that in the time of trouble, God's going to give you sudden faith to trust him for a miracle? Uh, I don't think he will. My opinion only. You have to prepare now. By the way, have you noticed an example in the story of Tel Aviv coming home? The story also of George Mueller and the chair. How God answers these prayers the very last moment. Did you notice that? God rarely prepares weeks in advance for what you need tomorrow or this very minute. There's a story about a little girl that was going to get on a train with her father. And they were in the car together going to the train station. And it was a beautiful day and they were chatting. And all of a sudden the little girl said, Daddy, she said, do we need tickets to get on that, that train? And the father says, yes, sweetheart, we do. She says, well, Daddy, I don't have a ticket. They won't let me on that train. He said, sweetheart, you don't need a ticket yet. We're still in the car driving to the train station. Well, that seemed to help. So they got and they parked the car and they got out and they started walking toward the, uh, the train station. Daddy, I'm getting nervous. I, I don't have a ticket. 
It's all right, sweetheart. You don't need it yet. And so finally they, they got in there and they're in line, the crowds and trying to get through the gates and so on. And he was holding her hand, you know, so she didn't get lost. And she was still pretty concerned about this. And he said, it'll be okay. And finally, when they got up and the man said, tickets, please. Her heart skipped a beat and her father reached into his pocket and took out two tickets and gave them to the ticket master. God often does his miracles at the very last moment. We have to let God be God. Does God do miracles? He certainly does. You read your Bible. The annals of Christian history will tell you the same thing. God does miracles. You know, in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That's your helpline, folks. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Those words, in time of need, mean in the nick of time. It means at the right moment, just at the last moment, at the right time, God will give it. We go to him by faith. We go to the prayer line. We go to the, the throne of grace. And at the right time, God will give us what we need. If you were in that airport in Tel Aviv 13 years ago, and you'd walked up to me and said, uh, Pastor White, <laughs> you got those cheapo tickets, do you? I would have said, yeah, I do. You need a flight. You need to get home, don't you? I said, yeah, we do. You could have asked me, are you scared? And I would have said, yes, I feel scared. You could have asked me, do you have any doubts? I mean, here you are hanging around. They've already told you to go home. Maybe you're just stubborn or something, but do you have any doubts if God will answer prayer? I would have said, yeah. I have some doubts. You could have asked me, well, Pastor White, are you going to leave the airport? I would have said, no, never. Because God gave me faith to stay. Now, again, do you think God would have given me sudden faith if I had not have been reading my Bible every day and praying every day and regular faithful church attendance? Do you think God would have given me the sudden faith if I had not have been growing my slow faith? Because I don't think he would have. And so the question is, are you growing your slow faith so that this week, next month, whenever problems hit, you'll have sudden faith to trust God to help you and get you out of that. I believe with all my heart God wants to show himself strong in your life. Why? Because it glorifies him. It brings him great glory. And that's why he wants you and I to live by faith. Daily slow faith and then sudden faith when you need it. Remember, problems are just golden opportunities for God to show his strength and power. That's what they are. So what problem might you be facing? What problem might you be going through? And maybe your particular problem is going to require sudden faith. 
like ours did in Tel Aviv. Maybe your particular problem, on the other hand, may require slow faith of days, weeks, maybe months. Maybe you have a need of housing or a need of a job or a healing or the salvation of a loved one or something. But if you're not growing your slow faith, then you probably won't get sudden faith in the time of need. It seems to me there are three very simple things we need to keep in mind if we want to live on the winning side of life. Number one is stay right with God. Stay right with God. If you commit sin, confess it right away. Stay right with God. Do the things God wants you to do. Number two, keep growing your slow faith. That's your whole platform. Keep growing your faith by reading the Bible every day, by getting on your knees and praying every day, by regularly attending the house of the Lord. And point number three, don't quit. Don't give up. Too many of us, we quit too soon. You know, we get into a little bit of difficulty, we quit. Even we see the difficulty coming, we quit. Sometimes we quit a minute, five minutes before God gives the miracle. But we've quit. And we've walked away. We've walked away from a great victory. Believe ye that I am able to do this? Yea, Lord. Then according to your faith, be it unto you. My friend, if you're here today and you're not sure what's going to happen to you when you die, then you have a problem, don't you? Death holds a big mystery, a big question mark. What's going to happen to me when I die? Where will I go? What will happen when I die? The answer is Jesus Christ. He is your answer. He is the one that can assure you, that can save your soul and assure you a place in heaven. It's done by faith. It's not done by money. It's done by faith. It's not done by works. It's done by faith. There's no merit of my own. He's the one who left heaven and came to earth and shed his blood as a sacrifice for us, for our sins. He died and three days later he rose from the dead. He's alive today. Jesus Christ is alive. Knocking on your heart's door. If by faith you'll open that door and trust in Jesus, he will save you today. Would you bow your head now and close your eyes and we'll have a word of prayer together. Time for us to pray. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.